Uh, as I think about our, our passage this morning, we're, we're looking at Luke chapter 17. I'm reminded of for, for centuries, uh, scholars and historians could not figure out the, or decipher the Egyptian language of, of hieroglyphics. And, and here's a, a picture. There's a, all over Egypt in temples and all over the place, there's, there's images of, of, they didn't know what they were. You know, here's a man with the head of a bird and, and then here's a, a cow and then here's a giant eyeball and here's a sun. No one could figure out it was impossible. There was no code. There's no way to, to, to decipher it. Truly impossible. Until 1799, uh, part of Napoleon's army was, was doing some work and building some uh, fortress stuff in, in uh, the city of Rashid. And this French soldier, I believe his name was Francois, as I recall, and he discovered this, this large stone. There's a picture of it there. This large stone that, that uh, had the same law, the same decree from back in ancient Egypt written in three different languages. There were the hieroglyphics at the top, you can kind of see there. In the middle was the common language of the, the Egyptians of the day. The bottom, the key to it all, was, it was in Greek. So it was the same message in three different languages. Aha, ding, everything unlocked. And from that point, they were able to figure out what, what the hieroglyphics meant and really open up a whole world of them understanding how the Egyptians functioned, etc. I bring that up because the passage today, it's a great passage, and it's got a lot of encouragement. It also has some very tough, almost impossible things for us to do that would be impossible without faith. Once we add faith to the picture, now it's a different ballgame. Now, now things can happen. And so uh, I'll also give you a warning up front. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of great passages in the Bible that are almost like fun and cuddly. It's a warm hug. And parts of this are, but other parts, I'm just going to warn you heads up. It's some tough teaching. It, it's, it's very hard. Uh, but the beautiful thing about it is every time Jesus gives us a tough teaching, it's always bathed in grace and his love and, and in forgiveness as well. So we're going to look at, at Luke. And by the way, it's, it's 19 verses, but there's so much in each section. We're going to do it section by section. So we'll read a little part of it. We'll talk it through and then we'll, we'll, we'll apply it. And then we'll go to the next section. If that, if that sounds good, that's kind of our order of, of, of the, the day. So that's like we're on flight 217 to Cleveland. If that's not your flight, then... Please get off. I've never seen someone leave a plane like that way. You never say, oh, I want to go to Houston. So anyway, but they still have to say it. Okay, so let's look at the, at the first four, four verses here to get started. And, and again, Luke 17, and he, Jesus, said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom, the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are the author and finisher of our faith. What you start, you finish, Lord. Uh, you provide for us. You treat us so amazingly well. You, you take us in you know, day after day, minute by minute, year after year, uh, when we sin, Lord, and, and you're always there to forgive. I pray now for the next few minutes together, no matter what we have going on uh, this weekend, this week, work, family, play, whatever we have doing, going on, Lord, I pray that we'd be able to set those things aside and focus truly on what you want to say to us about your word. Yes, I might be the one saying the words, Father, but please don't let me get in the way of what you truly want to teach uh, your people here this morning. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 
so to start off, Jesus is pretty clear, temptations are going to come. That, that he's, not, he's not equivocating. Temptations are going to be all around us, and there's nothing you do about that. Right? So temptations are there, and they can come in the form of a variety of things. Food, money, sex, power, escapism, whatever, whatever your temptation is, they're going to come. But he says, well, let me just kind of categorize this other little thing that's probably not so good. Not just probably, it is not so good. And that is he's saying, if you're the one to cause someone else to be tempted, if you're the one who's that, who's that, that vehicle through which the temptation comes, just for comparison, if you're wondering how, how good or bad is that in God's eyes, be better to take a millstone. And for those of you who don't grind grain, but non, non-grain grinder, okay. Uh, I had to look this up, by the way. So a millstone is a large stone that, in the shape of a can of tuna, but weighs several hundred pounds. Several hundred pounds, sometimes over a thousand pounds, that would kind of be a donkey would kind of walk around and, and it would crush grain. That's how they make flour. It's a great thing. So imagine that you take this giant, this, this heavy stone, put it around your neck, and then plop into the sea. He's saying, that's better, that's better than, than causing someone else to sin. And you think, okay, that's, that's a pretty stern warning. And I think it's pretty clear we'll say, okay, I'm not going to try to get someone you know, hooked on a controlled substance, or I'm not going to encourage someone to, to cheat on their taxes. Okay, great. But there's even small, very little things we can do that we might have the freedom to do them, but my goodness, we got to be careful about, about the impact that has on other people. Example, I, I saw a, a fascinating documentary called Screenagers. So if, if you're a teenager, I'm going to put on your earmuffs here because um, it's pretty rough. It's all about teens and their use of technology. And some of the research in there was, was amazing in that if there's student A sitting there just, you know, in classroom doing non-related stuff on his phone, just, hey, I'm, I'm on my phone, Snapchat, <laughs> you know, whatever, you know. I think my daughter's taking 10,000 pictures of herself. Um, quite stunning. Anyway, so, so they're on their phone and they think, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm fine. No big deal. Well, the research says that the mere presence of the screen, the active lit up screen, is distracting the people around him or her such that their grades are affected to the tune of as, mu- as much as a half a letter grade poor performance on tests and quizzes when someone else's phone is out. You're not on your phone, but someone else's phone is out. It's almost like this, this elixir we, we, can't, we can't turn away from. So again, you might have the freedom. If the teacher says you can use your phone in class, great, but be careful on what that portends to other people around you. The proximity of that screen can still drag people down. And it doesn't always have to be on the negative side. It can also be on the positive side. We, we have a chance to, 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 to advance this kingdom even by small little decisions around the people that we, we find ourselves spending time with. Uh, end of 2016, my lovely daughter Elizabeth challenged me. She said, Dad, I think you drink too much soda. And she was right. I mean, I drink Mountain Dew like it's going out of business. I just, I love Mountain Dew. It's the most glorious drink. I hope they serve it in heaven. I mean, just, I, I love... <laughs> Like, I can't wait to see the Lord, but hey, where's the Mountain Dew? You know, so, uh, you know, so I, I, I got to give me some Mountain Dew. So, um, but she said, Dad, how about this? She said, what about doing uh, a whole year? What about doing a whole year without soda? I'm like, ha, that sounds fun. So I said, okay, I'll take your challenge, young lady, because I, I, well, why not? Okay, I'll, I'll do something. And so, you know, if you ever try to, try to make a change, a pretty big change in your life like that, the first several weeks, the first month is, is really tough. And about the first month into around end of January, early February, I had just started my soda fast. And I was going to the movies with a good friend of mine, Bob Grone, one of my uh, previous neighbors. And uh, um, quick aside, 
he's a soda guy too. He's, he's a Diet Coke guy. Okay, so I'm a, I'm a Mountain Dew and Cherry Coke when it's not available. He's a, a Diet Coke guy. And really for us, going to the movies is really just a, an excuse to eat a giant tub of popcorn with the butter and a soda so large it can be confused with an oil tanker, right? So I just, I got to have me the soda. I don't, the, the movie's immaterial. I can just sit in the lobby and be happy. So we're, dri- so we're driving to the, to the movie together. And I mentioned I'm doing this whole soda thing. So, oh, good luck with that. And... And we get there, and, and I bought the tickets and said, hey, I will get the concessions. Okay, so fine. So we're in line together, and he orders, said, hey, two large popcorns and um, two bottles of water. I know. It's like, dude. I mean, he could have gotten soda. You know, there, there's, no, there's no prohibition on soda. But Bob said, hey, my buddy just told me he's trying to get off soda. I'm trying to ease up on that. And, and he said, I don't want to do something that's going to make it more difficult for him the next time, or even, even today. I'm, I'm sitting over there, and he's, he's sucking on his, his Diet Coke. So even those little those moments, those extensions of grace that we can choose to do, freedom, by the way, if you're pe- playing along, you're thinking, okay, great. Uh, no cell phones and no soda. This guy is fun. So... <laughs> Again, you can use the cell phones, you can use the soda, you can drink the soda, but just if someone around you says they have a trouble, a, a difficult time with it, that's where Jesus is saying, please, would, would you either that, think about the millstone or go ahead and, and choose to drag someone down. That, that's how it, a, a big deal it is because the temptations are going to come. Just please don't let you be the vehicle through which the temptation comes. So the question is, what area or areas might you need to ease up or, or even have the freedom to do something, step aside and say, for the betterment of the folks around me, I'm, I'm going to with, withdraw or abstain or not go or choose to leave there here, whatever it's going to be. Just be thinking about that. So let's look at verses three and four. Jesus says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if, if he sins against you seven times in the day and comes to you seven times, I repent, uh, you must forgive him. Now, for those of you who aren't English majors, I'll look over at our wonderful Mr. Holly over there, that uh, rebuke, the official definition is a sharp reprimand. This is not a gentle coming alongside. You rebuke someone, it's, you're, you're coming at it pretty hard. And, and if you want to know, gosh, when was the peak usage of the word rebuke? It was in the 1850s. So just if you're wondering about that, a little cocktail party info, just to throw that out to people. And, um, but but what's nice about this, Jesus is saying, if a brother, let's be clear, he's saying a brother, meaning a, a fellow believer, or certainly we can say a sister, a, a fellow member of the, of, of the church, uh, another believer, if they sin, or certainly if they sin against you, he's saying it's not an option. He says, I want you to make that call. I want you to, uh, to, to reach out. And how about you all? I, I, I cannot stand confrontation. I just, I do not like it. I am not a big fan of it. I would rather jab a fork in my eye then confront someone. I mean, it's, I, if I had a fork, you know, I, I just, is, I don't like it at all. But God is saying, it's, it's, it's not a choice. He said, I'm, I'm, this is what I want you to do. Don't cause people to sin. But then when someone does sin, especially sinning against you, I want you to, 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 to call them on it. And I got a call, a, a such call like that, which I, I, I could not believe. I just started my business about 10 years ago and I was in Kansas City working with a law firm and, and, and my, my task of the day was to help some of these young lawyers who, not just to practice law, that's, that's not my area, but to help them get more business was they had to go out and, and meet people and go to lunch and attend events and network and all these wonderful things. And my big mantra has been and still is, don't make it about yourself. 
Don't talk about yourself. Ask more questions. Make it about them. Seek them out. Draw them out. Uh, give as much as you can. Focus on them. Answer their problems. Do that kind of stuff, and the business will follow. Don't make it about yourself. So I just got done with that session. We took a break. Come back in 15 minutes. Okay, great. And my phone rings. It's one of my best friends from, uh, a really good friend from high school. His name is Jeff. He lives in Chicago. And he said, hey, Steve, do you have a second? Sure. He said, um, this is a very difficult phone call for him to make. Okay. He said, uh, there's something on my heart that I got to tell you about that, um, that frankly, you've been bumming me out recently. I said, oh, what, uh, what have I been doing? I, am I, of course, you hear that kind of thing. You're more like, what have I done? What, you know, what, what, what's going on? He said, you've gotten this pattern, Steve, where about every couple of months you call me and you ask me for something, a lead, a contact, a favor, um, attend this, this seminar. Can, can you help me videotape this thing? Can you do that? Like just, just grabbing, grabbing, taking, taking. And you never once seem to give to me. And number two, you never say thank you. I was like, I, I, my initial reaction, I wanted to say, that's not right. I want to go through every point by point and kind of tell him why I was wrong. He was 100% correct. I had done that. I, I was in that frame of mind of, because I just started my business, it was all about I got to do this, I got to pay bills, and this course, whole thing, I was so focused on that that I forgot to be kind and loving towards my friends who had helped me out. And so right there on the spot, I said, Jeff, I, I am sorry. I, I, please forgive me. I may have called, but I, everything you said is correct, and I am sorry, and would you please forgive me? And he did, and it was fantastic. And before he hung up, he said, Steve, I honestly was sitting there, I was thinking, maybe I don't make this phone call. He thought, I don't think I want to make that phone call. He said, I'm just going to maybe not answer the call when he calls the next time. I'm not going to answer his emails quickly. I might not be available for him and just kind of let me go my way and, and he goes his way. One of the things I think is great but also can be a, a, a bad thing, this whole kind of, uh, so my daughter always says, and it's kind of made part of the youth culture, is like, let you be you. Hey, you be you. Do your thing. I'll do my thing. That's no big deal. God's not saying that's, that's, that's for us to, to go that route. If someone is, is doing something, and they're in sin, and or they're, they're coming at you, and, and they're sinning. He's saying, you need to pick up the phone. You need to go have a cup of coffee. He wants to seek them out. And it's not to tear them down. It's not to take them out. It's to say, I got to tell you what's going on here. The Lord's put on my heart to, to call you on this. And then very quickly is the idea of reconciliation, of, of drawing back, of restoring. And it's there for us. And the cool part about Jeff doing that, and that was a risk on his part. I could have gotten ticked off. We never talked to each other again. But because he did that, we're now even closer. He's one of my closest friends in the whole world now. And, and, and that was, that was the, the, a, a, a flashpoint in our, in our relationship that wouldn't have happened had he not had the wherewithal to, to call me on something that I was completely in the wrong on. So, of course, it, it bears asking here, is there someone in your life, a Christian brother, sister, cousin, parent, child, roommate, friend, who is in sin, has sinned against you, and you're just kind of letting it go. You kind of do what my, what my kind of posture has been of, I don't want to upset anybody. But God's saying, that's, that's not really on the table for us to decide. He's saying, I want you. Part, part of why he gave us each other is to, is to let iron sharpen iron and for us to, to, to call each other in love with the idea of restoring. I talked to a woman after the first service and said she, she had some people in her life, and she said, I, I've been putting off doing something. And she says, I you know, I think I'm going to make that phone call. That, that's what God is asking us to do. So she always says, easy stuff, right? Hey, this is a fun sermon. So um, where's the candy part? So, um, all right, so 
so then at that point, Jesus, what's so cool, he always knows what they're about to say. He can already predict what's going to come down the pike. He can already sense, okay, the, the disciples are saying, hey, we have to forgive and, and, and rebuke and we have to forgive seven times and all this kind of stuff. By the way, on the seven times, it was rabbinical tradition in that era that, that the rabbis would say, hey, if you forgive someone three times, that's awesome. You know, thumbs up. Three times forgiving, that's amazing. So Jesus says, okay, you got three times, I will double that and I'll add one. So he's saying, let's, let's make the standard a little bit higher. In other gospels, he says seven times 70. Anybody ever do the math on that? Like, ooh, 490 times. When they get to 491, the forgiveness train stops, right? Because you, <laughs> no, yeah, at least that's how I used to think. I wasn't really good at math, but I would do that. So, um, but he knows what they're about to say. Uh, and so, uh, he, and, and here's what they do say. So he's ready for their, their comment. And in verse five, he says this, or they say this to him. The apostle like, Lord, you're saying all this stuff. We're supposed to do this. Are you, are you kidding me? And they said to him, well, then increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Now, again, you may have heard that many times. I have as well. I admit I, that's, that's a hard verse to get my head around because I'll be thinking, I almost think, uh, of, of like the X-Men comic book, you know, so there's, there's a character, and this is for Daryl Maiden, I don't know if he's here or not, but it's, it's the Daryl example. So in, in the comic book X-Men, there's a, there's a character named Magneto, and Magneto can move stuff just with his mind, and so I picture this whole idea of Magneto looking at, at, a, at a mulberry tree, kind of going, you know, and, and you know, uprooting it and kind of shoving that thing into the sea, but that's not what Jesus is getting at here. What Jesus is trying to say is, yes, the tree is an example but it's more of what it represents. In fact, he's not saying I want you to uproot trees and shrubbery and, and wind them up in the, in the sea. He's saying it more from this perspective. And I love how uh, a pastor, his name is R. Kent Hughes, no relation, but I wish it were. He's a great guy. R. Kent Hughes says this about, about this particular passage. And, and this really helped me understand it in a better sense. And the example he's going to use here is we'll say, let's say in your life, just as an example, you struggle with anger, or you're, you're quick-tempered, or you have a really, you have an anger problem, okay? He'll say, okay, keep that in mind as you think about this, this example here. He said, as you may say, as a tree takes hold of the earth by its roots, my ill temper is rooted in the very depth of my nature. I am constitutionally quick-tempered. From my very birth, I have found it hard to forgive. I'm just an angry person. But then he's saying, if you have faith, you can say to that ill-tempered mulberry tree, be uprooted and be tossed into the sea. And I love how he finishes it here. If we find it impossible to forgive, we need to pray. We need to say, Lord, increase our faith and he will do it for he always answers a prayer that is according to his will. And then we can forgive and forgive and forgive. And I love this part. And our souls will be secure and gentle and liberated. Now, I want to be clear too. This isn't a Harry Potter spell. You know, just let me say the right thing and pff, it happens. This is a prayer according to his will. You say, Lord, this, this thing has taken root in my life. This issue has taken over. This thing is, is interrupting relationships. Whatever it might be, you pick it for whoever it might be. And you're saying, Lord, would you give me the faith? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have it. Help my unbelief. Give me the faith, please, Lord. I want this thing to be removed. Would you help uproot, uproot it from its very roots, get it out so that I can more readily serve you and not let this thing drag me down. That's, that's what he's getting at here. 
So then, again, Jesus, anticipating what, what they're going to say, again, knows what they're thinking. And so he'll think, gosh, if they, if they get their faith increased and they're not causing people to sin and they're forgiving, they're rebuking, seven times 70, all this awesome stuff, there might be just a little, little element of pride that starts to creep in. You know, like, hey, I'm, I'm all that in a bag of chips. Which I don't know what that means, but I bet that would pair nicely with a Mountain Dew. I just got to say. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, by the way, that's good stuff. So, so, then, so then what he says next, it, again, I admit this is one of the harder passages. Like, wow, that's pretty rough. But he's saying it for a purpose. So as we get into the, to verses uh, 7 through, through 10, here's what Jesus says. After they said, increase our faith. And then the, the mustard seed thing. He says, will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, hey, come, and, come at once and recline at the table? Or will he rather not say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what he was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. What he's saying here is, these things are fantastic that we talked about previously and please do them, but don't think by doing them that, okay, I'm pretty awesome. Yeah, I got this thing. I'm, uh, thank you, Lord. I'm, curing, I'm scoring some God points by, by doing these great things. That's not what he's saying at all. In fact, I don't know if there's ever been a, a, a medal ceremony at the White House or in the battlefield where, where, where uh, someone in charge has said, hey, Private Johnson, here you go. Here's your medal for doing exactly what you're supposed to do, but not one ounce more. Congratulations. Well done, you. No, it's, it's Jesus saying, that's what you're supposed to do, and, and we're not, you're not going to get a trophy for it. That's what I'm commanding you to do. And so just like in other parts of Scripture, it says our best, our best efforts, our, our best deeds are like dirty rags to him. We are, even when we do this, all this wonderful stuff, we're still unworthy. But he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't say just that's, you're unworthy. He says, yes, you're unworthy, but I love the heck out of you. I cherish you. I pursue you. You are my beloved. I I died for you. That is, is what he's getting at to say, I want, please do these things. Ask for faith. I will give you the faith to make them happen. But, but then don't expect, you know, the end of Star Wars with a big ceremony, you know, the first one, right? You know, with a Princess Leia, give him the, the medals and all that kind of stuff. This, this is what you're supposed to do. And so it's kind of just, a, it's a check on, on pride. It's just a check on, on where our hearts are. And, and God is saying, I'm going to put this in here just because I know where you're, where you're going to tend to go once you think you got all this going on. And so uh, as we look at the, the rest of the chapter here, we have one other final section to talk about. And uh, it seems odd that this is placed where it is, but then once we go through it and talk about it in context with the rest of the chapter, you say, okay, and that makes sense. Because he, he's talking about, you know, temptations, don't cause someone to sin. He's talking about forgiving, rebuking, give us more faith. Hey, watch yourself. And then all, along come the lepers. In the first session, in the first service, I said, and then Jesus met 10 leopards. So, um, which would be quite a story, but that's not what happened. There are no leopards involved. It's lepers, okay, to be clear. So let's read... Uh, Verses 11 through 19. Now you probably can't unsee leopards, can you? So, um, so on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. And they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. 
And as they went, they were cleansed. On the way, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where, where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner, the this, this Samaritan guy? And then he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So it's his faith that actually healed him. Now, quick primer on, on leprosy. If you're not a, an ancient uh, skin disease specialist, uh, just it's nice to give a little context. If you had leprosy or some awful skin disease, they kind of looped them all in, under the name of leprosy. The Levitical laws were pretty, were pretty clear. And they said, if you had leprosy, you were basically cast out. You had to live in these gross camps with other lepers, and you couldn't have contact with people. In fact, if, you were, if, if, if someone were to approach a leper and you were, you were downwind from them, they had to stay 50 yards away from you. And they had to scream, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, get, get away, stay away, you, you, I'm awful. Can you imagine that? What would that do to your, to your soul? What would it do to your psyche? I'm unworthy, I'm unclean, stay away. How do you even go on living? I mean, I, th- that would be tough. I mean, we think, oh, lepers, whatever, that, that would be... That'd be awful. And, and you could see the village. I mean, you could see people, and, and there's family and friends are there, but you were, you were cut off, never to, to, to ever have the embrace of a loved one like that ever again. That, that would be just beyond demoralizing. And, and the, the deal was if you ever were fortunate enough to be, to be healed of your leprosy, the way you got, you just walk back in, hey, everybody, I'm clean. Look at that. Woo, I'm looking good. You had to go show yourself to the priest and, and say, hey, look, literally, I'm, no, more, no more skin here, no more skin disease. I'm good. And then there's this whole ceremony to go through. It was an eight-day special. It, was, it involved a sacrifice. And then after that, then you're reunited with your family, could join society, get a, get a job again, all that kind of stuff. So when Jesus says to them, hey, go show yourself to the priest, you only want to go do that if, you're, if you've hopefully got some good news. You're not going to show up. If you're still full-on leprosy, is this good? You know, like, not again, Myron. Yeah, it's not, yeah, stay away. You know, it's not going to happen. If you're named Myron, I'm sorry. Just, it felt right. So... Um, if you're married and have leprosy, that's really bad, so I'm sorry, but we're gl- we are glad to have you, so I've got to tell you. <laughs> Just please stay upwind. Okay, so, okay, and I'll stop digging. All right, so, but, but by the way, this reminds me of, remember a couple weeks ago, Tom, Rick's got, he got the flu, and he had to actually miss a sermon. He was gone for like eight or nine days, and we had a session meeting near the end and he was sitting in the corner like 20 feet away where all the rest of the, the elders just kind of, we use a quarantine, just don't want to be anywhere near him. And so we're going to do that in the future going forward as well. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they're going along, there's no mirror. Think about it. They're walking along. Okay, this is kind of cool. What does this mean? He's healed other people. Can you imagine walking along, you look over and one of your fellow lepers said, hey, you're, you're cleared up. Your skin's good. How am I? I'm, so, oh, that's amazing. I mean, in, 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 of, those, of those 10, nine of them keep just going ahead. I'm going to go meet, meet the priest and, 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 and get cleaned up and, and, and get back to society as fast as I can. And yet one person came back, and that was a Samaritan. And we all know, as you recall, Samaritans and the Jews, they did not get along. They were sworn enemies. They would, they would walk around each other's territory to avoid even coming in contact. And yet this guy, the, the, basically the enemy of the Jews, would, would come over and, and come back to Jesus and say, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. And it reminds me of, of what I had done to my buddy Jeff. I mean, how quickly do we, we ask, we pray for things. Lord, please, I need this. Can you help that? I need this, this job or this thing or whatever. And, and, and many times God does stuff even better than we expected. Sometimes he delays, but he gives us those things. And how quick are we to not thank him? We're so quick to go to the next thing. All right, next, 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 next. Want, 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 need, need, need. 
he wants those requests, but he also wants our, our gratitude. He also wants our, our thankfulness. He wants our appreciation, recognizing, you know, in, in the whole mulberry tree, we have the faith, but it's only connecting us to God who's doing the uprooting. God is moving the tree. God is moving the mountain. God is forgiving. God is healing. God is the, is the be-all, end-all. And he's saying, I want you to please remember where that's coming from. Don't, don't ever please attribute stuff to other people, other situations that, that really came from me. That's what he's seeking and hoping. So if I had to ask you right now, what, what's your, how's your gratitude meter this morning? You know, is it, is it on high, medium, low? Do you know where it is? Uh, you know, that's, God wants us to, to be so willing to ask him for things, but also at the same time be just as eager to thank him when he provides and even when he delays. And I think about this whole chapter reminded of a, a trip my, my family and I took a couple years ago. The girls were uh, 9 and 10, and Marianne's mom, the lovely Ann Chapel, invited us to go to the Caribbean. I'd never been there before, to go to her timeshare and spend a week with her there. It was, it was an amazing trip. And all I need to know about this, this particular uh, resort, because this is important, the geography is important. Over here is the beach. And there's this big kind of pool area, lazy river, the whole deal. Then there are several towers where, where the timeshares were. And we were in the last tower back here. We had a lovely view of the beach. It was a long walk from here to, to get to the beach. And that's fine. It's still a free trip, right? So uh, no complaining. So uh, <laughs> thanks, mother-in-law, because she's awesome. Um, but what's interesting, and I want to be clear on this, it is a timeshare. And I want to say this story is neither pro nor anti-timeshare. So if like, you, know, you want to complain about stuff, or right down central, okay? So it's, uh, we're neither, we're very ecumenical when it comes to timeshares, okay? But the story with timeshares, at least the one that we are staying at, was in the base of every, in, in the open lobby floor of uh, open air, you know, situation there, was a timeshare representative at his desk, and he had a little display behind him. And the deal was they wanted you to buy a timeshare, of course. Okay, natural. They got to make money and do their thing. And if you sat through a 90-minute timeshare presentation, you got a $100 resort credit or something like 20,000 hotel points. And, of course, we only had a week there. Our girls were 9 and 10. We couldn't just sit there for an hour and a half. Plus, we didn't have the money to buy a timeshare. So we had to have this weird thing where he'd come down and say, hey, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't try us. It's not going to work. So love you. You know, so there's, you know, and we had this, and it was our same guy. I don't know his name was Ramon. I forgot what his name was. But we got to this point, like we, had, we developed this detente, if you will, which is, uh, a mean, it means the easing of hostilities. Okay. It's also the French major, detente. Huh? It's very nice. So uh, just like Francois who found the Rosetta Stone. Anyway, so so we got to this point now where he would ask, no, 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 no. And then near the end of the, the trip, I'm walking along. We got down to a relationship with simply this. He'd look at me and I'd go, hey. That was about it. That's all he got. It was just a little head nod. But there's no communication. It's not going to happen. And so he knew not to push us. On the very last day of our trip, I happened to be loaded up first. And I was going to go down to the beach and, and, and secure kind of a, 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 an encampment for us. And so Marion you know, and the girls, they loaded me up with a beach bag. And I had towels. I had inflatables beach toys, I had water bottles, I had, I had snacks, I had every level of SPF from uh, sunblock from 8 to 450, because um, our family's part polar bear, you know, so um, it's the paleness, and so and I all loaded up, I'm, I can barely fit in the elevator, and so I'm, I'm cruising down, I'm doing my thing, and I walk out, and I look over, and it's not my same guy, I'm like, oh, 
It's a new guy. You know, I don't want to talk to the new guy. Like, I spent the whole week developing this, this kind of buffer of not having to do the timeshare thing. It's like, sir, no, I'm good. Sir, no, you know, timeshare. No, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> no, see ya. You know, I don't want it. Uh, sir. And, and, he's, and then he just wouldn't let up. But then I finally leave the, so, so if I walk past him, I finally leave the building. I'm walking. It's open air. And there's a pause about five or ten seconds. And I hear him call out, sir, sir. I'm like, dude, you got to be kidding me. Like, it's not going to happen. I started to get kind of mad. Like, he's, uh, okay, if you're salesman of the year, good for you. But, like, stop already. Right? So I'm walking along. And he's, he's, he leaves his, his post. He starts coming towards me. I'm walking. I'm loaded up. I'm going through the lazy river area. I'm knocking kids over. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I got to get, I, I just got to get to the beach. I'm, a, I'm Andy Dufresne. I got to get out of Shawshank, right? I just got to, if I just get to the Zabataneho, if I can just get over there, life will be grand, right? And then he keeps coming and he's, he's fast. He's gaining on me. I, I'm, this, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I, I'm starting, it's, you might be laughing. It wasn't funny. Okay. It's, I was, I was mad. It's like, I've already, I'm, I'm, I'm mad. I'm loaded up. I'm not going to get a timeshare. <laughs> get out of here. You know, and I'm, I'm walking, I'm almost to the beach. I've almost reached the final destination. I'm, I'm so happy. Like I could just almost like freedom. Right. And then he, he catches up to me and he, he taps me on the shoulder. And at this time I'm, it's gone from pleasant humor to it's, I'm, I'm really ticked off. Uh, this, this is ridiculous. I said, would you let me alone? What do you possibly, I, I am not going to buy a timeshare. Would you lay off? What is your deal? What do you possibly want? What, just back off. And he looked at me and he said, I thought you might like this. And there in his outstretched hand was my wallet that I dropped right in front of his desk. Now, I get emotional because whenever someone shows that kind of grace, to, I mean, when someone's that nice and I'm being such a mean chump, I'm, it's not my finest Christian hour, let me just tell you that. Uh, it was not good. And yet he came after me to give me back, to restore to me what I, already, what I once had. I mean, he could have been, that guy's an idiot. He could have taken the money. He could have then turned it in. He could have done a lot of stuff. He could have thrown it in the trash can. I mean, he had, he had no obligation to me. I was really mean to him. And yet he came after me. And so naturally, I, I think about, the, how that's a, a picture of what Jesus did for us. He willingly gave up his post. He, he gave up his, his, his place in heaven for a time, his glory, the realm, all that wonderful stuff to come down and for a short period of time live on this earth. And, 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 and what was his, and how did we treat him? And I mean, we, we weren't there, but, but we were as guilty as anyone else. We rejected him. We ridiculed him, mocked him, smacked him in the face, beat him up, ripped his back off, nailed his hands to a cross, his feet, and all the whole time saying, you're no God, you, you, you stink, you get, get out of here, you're, you're a waste of time. And yet the entire time he did that, simply, yes, we're unworthy servants. We so don't deserve what he offers us. But he says, I love you so much, I will pursue you. I will, I will chase you down. I, I am the actor, I am the, I am the first mover. And I love you so much. And you're, I don't, in this group, 400 plus people, there's me every manner of, of, of spiritual spectrum here. There's folks who Christians from the time they, they're, they're a young kid to, to recent conversions to folks who've never even, never even ventured into this, this realm before. But no matter where you find yourself, if you've if you're been a Christian for a long time, you say, my faith is really kind of dried up. My faith is kind of, I just don't feel it. It just feels dry. I'm in a bad spot. That's okay. God knows that too. You know, not telling him doesn't like keep it a secret from him. You can say, Lord, I'm not feeling it. Would you, would you please fill, would you give me faith? Would, would, you, would you help me out? The way Jacob, when he wrestled with God, he said, I'm not letting go, Lord, until you bless me. 
I, I'm not letting go to you, bless me, and he will bless you. Or for those of you who have never, never confronted your own sinfulness, and so I'm just going to live a good life, and I hope at the end that there, we, there's, I'm a 51% good guy and a 49% bad, and I'm into heaven. Well, I, I've got some sad news for you. That's not how it works. It's 100% perfection, and the only one who can do that is Jesus Christ. And he willingly says, hey, you know what? I live this perfect life, this wonderfully perfect life, and you live this horrible, disgusting, sinful, bad life, and let's do a trade. I will give you full credit for what I did, and I will take the blame and the, and the cost of what you did and the penalty for that. So it's there for us this morning. It's not just Sunday, March 4th. This is, this is the Sabbath day. And you, from the beginning of time, God knew you would be here. And, and he's asking you, have you come to me with your, with your sinfulness? My forgiveness is there. If your faith is wavering, ask me, and I will, I will provide. I will not hold back. He will lovingly pursue us because he loves us to no end. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you are so good to us, Father. You, you treat us way better than we deserve. The mercies that you show us, yes, the visible ones, but, but the things you've done that we, we don't even see. We didn't get a chance to pick our station in life, Lord, but we've been so blessed by you, and not just financially, Lord, but, but with the freedoms and all these wonderful things you've blessed us with, Father. I pray right now as we think about our lives and where we are, Father, for those who have never trusted you, that they would take this moment to ask you for forgiveness, to take all the, the bad stuff they've done and, and exchange it for your, per, for your perfection, for your righteousness. And Lord, for those of us who have not, aren't feeling it, Lord, you would increase our faith. Would you help us to, to be the, the brothers and sisters that you're calling us to so that we can not cause others to, to sin, that we can rebuke those, we can forgive seven times 70, and we can be thankful for the process, Lord. We ask all this in the powerful and amazing name of Jesus Christ. Amen.